Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. It's so great. Hey, it's so great to see you today, 4th of July. Can you believe that? About halfway through a year, uh, more and more people coming back to church. First service was almost jam-packed, and uh, the Lord let it rain a little bit, then stopped a little bit, and then made it sure for you, and we're just so thankful you're here. All of our first-time guests and all of you that are watching online, we love you, and we're so glad you're here today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 42, and I'm going to be looking at that. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are basically two that go together. Uh, Most Bible historians believe that they're really tied together and shouldn't be separate, but I'm going to look at 42, but then this afternoon, I hope that you'll go ahead and read Psalm 43 because it's going to be really good. In this, David starts out and says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, my soul pants for you. He says, there's a thirst that happens. You ever been thirsty? I mean, really thirsty. Come on, really thirsty. Not just, eh, I'd like a drink. No, I'm talking about thirsty, that it's beyond sweet tea, that it's all beyond Diet Coke, it's beyond a juice, that you're thirsty for some water. I mean, when was that? I mean, really, really, really thirsty. When I was in high school, I worked for a prestigious, well-known company in our community. They were so advanced that most people, uh, most young men my age, because of the complexity and the hardness of the work, wouldn't even show up. And our work was a little lofty. That is, we worked in the hayloft. We carried hay. We carried hay. I I did that long enough to realize that was not my life's calling for the rest of my life. I remember I was always stuck up in the very top of the loft, whereas you were unloading the hay bales, it was somewhere between 120, 130 degrees. And, the, and you know, you just get so thirsty and, I, and you're, my clothes are soaking wet and I'm tired and you just think, and you hear that last beautiful word, somebody yells, last bale coming now. Whoa, that's awesome. And then we run to the water uh, jug. Don't really drink the water, but inhale the water. You ever been thirsty? I mean, really? Really, 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 really thirsty. That's the image that David uses in Psalm 42 and 43. He's not talking about a physical thirst. He's talking about there's something within me that I'm longing for something that's not satisfying. There's an emptiness in me. I feel unfulfilled. I feel parched. He says this in Psalm 42, as a deer pants or longs for the water brooks, so I pant or I long for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with a multitude. I went with them to the house of my God with a voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept with the pilgrims. Verse five, why are you so cast down on my soul? And why are you so quiet or disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Literally there in Hebrew, it's mean I'm bent over. I'm bent over with this longing, with this desire, with this emptiness. He says, therefore, I will remember you. Verse seven, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All the waves and billows have gone over me. 
The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. Wow, I love that, don't you? A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you so cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Would you read the last of that verse with me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. That's a present progressive, for I shall yet praise him. Father, we thank you today for your blessings. Thank you for being with us. Lord, I just sense your presence so real. And Lord, the words that we have uh, written down, they're just words, but it's when your anointing touches those that it makes life changing for us. So Lord, I desperately, desperately, desperately desire your presence today to be manifest. And I desperately, Lord, rely on your anointing. So Psalm 42 and 43, most scholars believe David wrote those at a time that he was running for his life. His son Absalom had run him out, kicked him out of the, the uh, palace, and now he's running for his life, and he's remembering. He's remembering how it used to be. He's remembering how it was to be in the presence of the Lord. He was remembering how life was before it seemed like life was interrupted with trouble after trouble after difficulty after difficulty. The theme of this passage is basically something I think all of us can identify with. It's a person that's struggling with things that are happening to him. You ever struggled with things that are happening to you? I mean, over and over. It's like the, the dark night of your soul. It's sometimes people say, well, I just, I just feel like I'm in the blues. I feel like I'm in a dungeon of despair. Even the simple task that I want to do seem like impossible things and they're so hard. And my spiritual energy's gone. I mean, I used to really enjoy reading the word and praising and going to church, but I just... I'm just kind of going through the motions right now. And I've been thinking, will it ever get better? And things never get better. Hope and joy are just religious words to you today that seems like something that somebody says because you're experiencing thing after thing after thing. And so you're sitting here today or watching online of wondering why. Why is this happening? What am I going through? How am I going to get through this? I think we all face those. If you haven't faced it in the past or if you're not there now, just hang on. You'll need this teaching sometime in the future because there are always, things will not always go the way that you think they should go. So what brings us? What are some of the reasons that bring us to a place of despair, of depression, feeling like we're caught in a dungeon and, and, and we're, we're all caught up and we can't be free? I think one of the things is unfulfilled expectations, if you'd like to write that down. Unfulfilled expe expectations. That means when you expect something to happen and it doesn't happen. You expect that, well, yeah, I got this difficulty, but it'll go away and it, the issue lingers. Well, I thought, you know, if we went to marriage counseling, it'd get over with, but it just continues to linger. Or you say, you know, I expected this person would be a person who would really love me. Or I expected this job would be the one that would bring me a, a satisfaction. 
Or maybe you've prayed and you've confessed and you've done all that you can do. And you thought, surely God will lift me out this time, but it doesn't happen. It's that unfulfilled expectations. And David talks about that in verses 1 through 4. But I want you to look at Proverbs 13 and 12. Proverbs 13 and 12 says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Wow. Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. I thought by now I'd be out of debt. I thought by now I'd have a husband. I thought by now my kids would be squared. I thought by now I'd be over this addiction. I thought by now our marriage would be better. And that, that unrelenting disappointment leaves your heart sick. You feel trapped sometimes, trapped in a marriage, trapped in a job, trapped where you are, trapped in the mistakes that you made. So sometimes it's unfulfilled expectations. Sometimes it's constant criticism. Verses 3 and 10, he said, my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say, where is your God? As the breaking of my bones, the enemies reproach me while they keep saying, where is your God? You ever have been taunted by people's words? You know, you say, hey, let's, uh, God loves you. He cares for you. And then people say, well, if God loves you so much and you love God, then why is he allowing you to go through all the difficulty that you're going through? And so you hear that. You hear people say, I don't understand. Where is your God? If God's really there, if God's really in charge, then why are you going through all that you're going through? So it's that constant criticism. Can you imagine students going off to college? They sit in a college and constantly they're bombarded by professors and very liberal people who will simply say, well, there is no God. And so that student suffers because of the constant criticism because they believe in Jesus. It's not only the criticism that comes outwardly, it's sometimes it's the criticism that comes from ourselves. We look at our life, we look at where we are, and we say, you should be farther down the line than you are. You shouldn't have made the mistakes that you've made. You shouldn't be like this. You should have the joy of the Lord. Look what God's done for you. Look what he's brought and how he's brought you along. Sometimes it's unfulfilled expectations. Sometimes it's constant criticism. And sometimes it's just sheer what I call accumulation. Just, I mean, just, you feel like you're being piled on. You ever been at the bottom of a pile on? That's not a fun place to be, is it? But sometimes in life, and I'm talking to somebody that's here today, God wanted you to be here specifically to hear this teaching today because you feel like I've been piled on. It's issue after issue that's tried to knock me down. Struggle after struggle, trouble after trouble. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's a situation. And you, and you think in your mind, oh, this too shall soon pass. But it hasn't passed. You're still struggling with the same thing. And it's a battle between doubt and faith, despair and hope. David said in verse 7, deep calls to deep. And your waves and your billows have gone over me. He uses a metaphor of being caught in the ocean in the severe waves. You ever been there? I mean, swimming and you get in one of those places, it just seems like wave after wave, you lose your footing because of a current. And so you're under and, and you, about the time you get up, another wave hits you. And about the time you get up, another wave hits you and something else. And you're gasping, you're believing. How, how are you going to go to? And David says, that's exactly what I feel like. It's not only the unexpected feelings. It's not only the constant taunting of the critics, but it's also this feeling of how much more, Lord, what else can I take? What else am I going to have to go through? This is not a good place. And so maybe you're there today. So maybe it's unfulfilled expectations, constant criticism, 
accumulation. Or just sheer number four, remembering. You remember the past, but you're doing it the wrong way. You just, you just remember. You, just, uh, you know, memories of the good old days are often just bad memories. The good old days can become very nostalgic. Yeah. But the good old days, really, when you live them again, they're not as good as you thought. Good old days? Yeah. Outdoor plumbing. Sub-zero degree weather through the snow. Freezing, hot, good old days. Mm, keep your good old days. I like where I'm living right now. But David is remembering. I remember what I used to be like. I remember what God used to be doing in my life. You see, your past can be a rudder to guide you or an anchor to hold you back. Your past can be a rudder to guide you or an anchor to hold you back. He said, I remember, I remember. Some of you are here today and you remember. Some of you are saying, oh man, I just, wish, I just wish life could get back to like it used to be. Guess what? It will never go back to what you used to be. It will always change. People saying, well, I just, man, I miss church so much and, and, and all of this, you know, COVID separated me from church and I can't get back to church. And I'll, I'll be I'm glad when it gets back to how it used to be. Listen, read my lips. It's never going to go back the way that it used to be. We don't live in our past, but we press on toward the future. Yeah, we had some difficulty. We had some situations, but we don't live in our memory. We live in the hope that future is going to be a great thing. So it's unfulfilled expectations, constant criticism. It's a feeling of being piled on accumulation or remembering the wrong things. Number five is just we get so preoccupied with self. 51 personal pronouns in these two Psalms. David says, I, 14 times, me, 16 times, my, 21 times, but only 20 times does he talk about God. Or one time he talks out of the Lord, about the Lord. Everything is out of balance. His plans have not been fulfilled. His life is crashing down on him. His past has been changed. And his vision is all looking at himself in the mirror. You know, we tell people sometimes you need to look at yourself in the mirror. It's all right to look at yourself in the mirror, but you need to start talking to yourself in the mirror, okay? Not just go with what you see in the mirror, because if you look at yourself in the mirror, you only see where you are now, and you maybe remember what your past was. So how do you handle it? How do you handle it when you feel like that you're caught in a prison of despair or a prison of hopelessness or one of these situations? Sometimes people turn to drinking. Sometimes people turn to drugs. Sometimes people just give up. But David doesn't give us permission to give up in this passage. He gives us a prescription for victory. And it's one word. Here it is. Write it down. I'm going to give you one word today. This is your next step this week. One word. And here it is. You ready? Replace. Replace. You got to take something out and you got to put something in. So what do you say? Well, number one, here's what we need to do. Replace your thoughts with his truth. Replace your thoughts with his truth. Three times David talks to himself. You know, I told you I talk to myself because every once in a while I like to hear somebody of wisdom talk. So David talks to himself and he says to self, why are you cast down? Why are you feeling so out of it? Why do you feel in such darkness? 
And then he talks to himself. He says, listen, self, listen. Hope in God. Hope in God. Sometimes I have to set me down and I have to say, Terry, look, listen to what you're saying. Listen, you got to say it. We live by promises, not by explanations. You say, oh God, if you just, why God, why God, why? And what if God answered your why? Would that be enough? No, I'm going to tell you, we don't live by explanations. We live by the promises in this book that this life is not our home. This world is not our home. We're passing through. And the next world is where God wants us to focus on as we look at that. I tell you, we got to talk to ourselves instead of letting ourselves talk to us. Some of you get up in the morning and the chatter starts. Oh, another day, horrible day. It's a bad day. It's not good. But you got to stop it. You got to replace your thoughts with his. So replace your thoughts with his truth. Second of all, replace, replace self-centeredness with God-centeredness. Stop looking only at yourself. Look to God. Verse 8 and verse 9, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to the God of my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? You see, as long as he's only looking at himself, but at least he's talking to God about that. See, some of you just closed up and you don't talk to anybody about what you're feeling right now. But the person that you need to talk to is you need to sit down and be honest with God. Say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know what's going to happen out of all of this, but I do know this. I'm going to take a look off of myself and I'm going to start looking towards you because I know you've never lost sight of me. You know where I am. If you believe that today, would you give the Lord a hand clap and say, yay, God. Corey Ten Boom said it like this. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. You see, our outlook is determined by our uplook. Martin Luther was a guy that suffered a lot of times with severe depression. Great, great preacher of old. One day his wife, Katie, showed up in black. You see, during that time, you, never, you didn't wear black for slimming. You know, I got two colors in my, in my uh, closet, black and blue. They're dark because the black covers a multitude of fat, okay? But back then, you only wore black when somebody had died. So his wife, Katie, was walking around. She was a real pistol. You got to read some of his life story. And she's wearing black, very somber. Martin Luther said to her, who died? She said, oh, by your attitude, I thought God did. Martin Luther stopped, and he wrote one word in Latin and put it on his wall, viti, which means he lives. He lives. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care where you are today. Take a look up. He lives. Nothing sneaks up on him. He's got it all taken care of. He's got the end of the book written. He's got it all taken care of. Wow. So replace your thoughts with his truth. Replace self-centeredness with God-centeredness. And replace your past with your future. 
Stop just looking at your past or your present, but look to your future. Satan wants to use your past as a weapon against you. He'll remind you everything you've ever done wrong. The important thing is not just to remember the past, but to remember God in your past. Paul said, one thing I do, one thing, I forget everything that's behind me and I push forward to the things that are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not gonna just look at my failures. I'm not gonna look just where I am, but I'm gonna look at the end. Here's the homework. Write this down. Revelation 21 and 22. Revelation 21 and 22. This is homework for this week. Because you say, what's my future look like? Revelation 21 and 22 tells you what your future looks like if you're a believer. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down for the old one was passed away. He said, I saw this new Jerusalem prepared. And God wipes away tears from everybody's eyes. And God makes all things new. And God creates a, a drink of his presence that nobody can ever be thirst again. I'm telling you, no matter how down you feel, no matter how locked in you feel into a prison of your past or your shame, there's a God today that's looking at you. It's not an accident that you're here today but he wants to encourage you out of your dungeon of darkness. Now, you say, yeah, that's all good. That's in the Bible. But I want to let somebody share with you today something that really happened in their life where God brought them through a crisis like this. Would you welcome my administrative assistant, Maggie? She's going to come and share today. Give her a hand. Come on. Thank you, PT, and um, <clears throat> excuse me. Good morning, everyone. Um, part of the growing up process that we as believers have to go through is sometimes doing the uncomfortable things. And I told the first service the most uncomfortable is getting up in front of a group of people to tell the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life. But I believe that. Um, it's important for our healing process. And I stand before you today as a living testimony of the goodness of God. Because I have had to ask myself in the last few months, why in the world would the enemy have tried to steal, have stolen my voice um, from the moment basically from uh, that I was born? Why would he want me to, to not speak, to be silent, to be fearful, to plant so much fear in me that if I if I stood before a group, I would tremble and, and I would want to run away. And the only thing that ever came to me was because he's the one that's scared. He's the one that's scared of a believer. And once we find our voices and once we begin to speak the word of God, he's done because he can't stand up against the word of God. Um, Revelations 12:11 tells us, and they, they as us, overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb, Jesus and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. And um, the last couple of months and years, uh, my flesh has had to die quite a bit uh, for me to begin to walk in the victory that I have um, been experiencing. And the greatest healing to my soul has been through Jesus and the moments that I've stood before people, many or few, and shared what God has done in my life. Um, Luke 10, 19 tells us that Jesus has given us the authority to trample over every demon and overcome every power Satan possesses. And while that has taken me a while to understand what that actually means in my life, I do walk in victory quite a bit, 
but I have come to find out that sometimes you have to slay a dragon before you can move through to, to additional victory. So while there are areas in my life over the years that I have um, overcome that I start walking in victory, there are moments that I call blindside moments. And my husband taught me that term. Um, it's where you, you know, you, something sneaks up on you, knocks you down, and basically takes your breath away. And um, in March of this year, that's exactly what I experienced was a blindside moment. Um, you see, 23 years ago, I made a choice to let a very sinful moment um, come into my mind and flourish. And I allowed that sin to prosper. And um, I suffered the consequences of that sinful moment for, for, for many, many years. Hurt a lot of people, hurt myself. And um, even though I have totally been set free from any shame or guilt of any kind from that moment, there wasn't, um, there was a blindside moment that came in a few months ago that literally knocked me to my knees, and it was a remnant of fear from that time in my life that I didn't even know existed, or the, to, to the degree that it existed and held me in bondage. And um, if I can share this with you, the devil doesn't care about your status quo. He doesn't care if you're content to be content, if you want to just live your life the way you want to live it. But the moment you begin to step out for the things of God, the moment you begin to find your destiny, um, you um, better be prepared because he's coming after you. You've just rattled his cage, and he's not going quietly. Um, for some time, I could sense that I wanted to do something more for God, that he had called me to do something more for God, but I always had an excuse that I was not good enough, that no one would listen because of my past, that what right did I have to use my voice? And the things he revealed to me could only come from him, that he, he said he would equip me, but I didn't feel equipped. And I felt, like, I felt like the league of the least likely, the characters that PT had talked about over the last couple of weeks where, um, you know, like Moses, don't ask me to go to Pharaoh because now I have to use my voice. Well, if you're scared of using your voice, then, you know, that's the last thing you want to have to do. Or if Gideon, he was hiding in the wine press because, oh, you know, I'm the least in my family. Well, that's an identity issue, and I'm the child of God. I'm a daughter of the king. But the enemy tried to keep me, you know, down under his thumb, but that's not going to happen anymore. And, um, but they were just normal people like you and me who finally made a decision, enough's enough, and I'm going to say yes to God, and I'm going to open my hand and let God use what is in it. So it's not lost on me that while all of this is going on, we have encouraged our life group to begin to find their voices and to use it and to start memorizing, learning uh, the word of God and to start doing things afraid. So I knew if I'm telling them to do it, at some point I'm going to have to start being an, being an example for them because the world needs us. They need believers. They need everyone to know uh, the word so that we can share that Jesus actually does love us and he cares for us and he's not out to get us. So... Um, in 1 Peter 5.8, it tells us that we are to be well-balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. And on March 16th, I was met on with the reality of the fear that had haunted me for, for many, many years. And I had almost allowed the enemy to devour me. So I was actually in a sisterhood meeting with Pastor Anita and our leadership team. And that meeting was it, was, it was weird. It was not like a normal meeting, but I know now that it had to happen that way because of the, what was going on in my soul, the battle that was raging in my soul. And in a nutshell, all Pastor Anita said was um, my name. 
and my passion for women and about the possibility of, of stepping into the role of the director of, of sisterhood. Yeah. Um, in a moment, I, um, I just started sobbing and I ran from the room. I ran not only from the room, but from this building. I got in my car and I left um, because of total fear. The fear of leadership of that magnitude caused those false accusations that the enemy had um, been speaking into my mind. Uh, who do you think you are? What right do you have to use your voice for God? You are nothing. And um, I had only gotten as far as Venetian Gardens, and I sat with God for two hours because I wanted him to tell me what to do. I only wanted to resign and run because I did not want to have to face um, any, any leadership um, at all. But what caused me to bolt that day was not a known fear. I didn't know it existed in my life. Um, but it was one that had lain dormant in my soul from my actions 23 years previously. And the scripture that I told you, you know, you have, we always have to be alert because the enemy knows when to pull that remnant out, to pull that fear out, because the moment you start moving, he's got to stop you. Well, this fear came from perceived actions that would be taken against me by another party. Um, what happened um, was very fearful, was very frightening. Uh, they hurt me greatly, um, but I was afraid that if I stepped out, they would see me. And that's what the enemy kept saying, that they would see you, that they will come after you, and that they will destroy you. And while I have grown greatly over the last 23 years in the things of God, sometimes the things in my mind, uh, the bondage keeps me trapped with the what-ifs. And I just kept seeing this in my mind that I was... I was going to be hurt. And sometimes we can be deceived by not knowing that a fear or a particular level of fear um, exists in us, but we know something's not right, and we know that we want to move forward, but something keeps holding us back, and that is a demonic spirit of fear. So it was, it was during this time that our staff was actually going through um, our freedom study, and our life groups will be doing that in, in the fall of this year. And so... Um, about week six or week seven, the Holy Spirit finally revealed to me what had been going on, uh, what this fear was, and he said that I had hidden from myself for so long that I had almost lost me. Wow. For 23 years, I had hidden, and I, I hid and for so long. I'd, I hid, and I didn't even know why I was hiding. It was because I didn't want anybody to see me. I didn't want to step out. I didn't want to be known, actually. And because of that, and because I hid so well, I put on a fat suit. Um, that was not very easy for him to tell me that. But I had put on a fat suit so no one would see me. And I ate, and I ate, and I um, added to that fat suit every single year for 23 years so that no one would ever look at me again and that I would have an excuse for not stepping out. You see, I gave this person's past actions And the fear from that time in my life control over me for 23 years, and I didn't even know it. And I allowed that to become an idol in my life, and I bowed down to it. I don't think that I would be where I am today, as strong as I am today, if I had not years earlier um, started getting deeper in with God, um, celebrate recovery, Bible study, 
memorizing scripture, learning to speak the word of God over me, accepting me and not letting the enemy lie to me and speak evil of me. These days I, am, I know that I am a beautiful creature. He is creating me to be a beautiful thing. Thank you, God. I know that it's a process that will never stop until I see Jesus. And I'm actually learning to love the fact that I make mistakes, that I'm not perfect. Um, too much perfection is, is just too much. And um, I've grown in Christ, and I understand that I'm going to make some poor choices daily, hourly, but I might do it again and again and again until one day I'm not going to do that again. You know, that's the growing through process. So these days I have learned to silence the enemy by speaking to him. And I, because I am a child of God and I have the authority to do that, I silence the voices of the enemy that would try to make me think things contrary to the word of God. And I take all thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, right? Amen. And I do not allow him to speak into me. So in closing, I just want to share John 3, 2, where it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You see, the fear and the fat, it kept me trapped. And my soul was full of toxins and so was my body. But as my soul began to heal, my physical body began to heal too. And that's the journey that we can all um, discover in Christ is I am experiencing freedom hope and joy and last scripture second timothy 1 7 for god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and of a sound mind thank you amen amen wow wow thank you maggie wow can you imagine did you hear the words i was hiding behind a fat suit because I didn't want anybody to ever look at me again. She said, as my soul began to change, then my physical life began to change. So much that Maggie's already lost 80 plus pounds. Can you give God a hand for that? That's great. What a great example. So how do we bring this to a close? We can't lose sight of what's most important. It's not important that you get out of what you're going through. But it's important that what you're going through, you get something out of that that makes you stronger. David, in this whole two Psalms, doesn't say, get me out of here. I don't want to go through this anymore. But he'll say, I'm under the wave. But Lord, I'm going to hope in you. Everybody's saying, where's God? But yet, God, I put my hope and my trust in you. He's not saying, get me out of what I'm going through. He says, if I have to be burdened, so be it. But I'm thirsty for you. If I have to go through criticism and taunting, so be it. But I long for a relationship with you. He says in verse 8, I'm going to sing a song in the night because he is with me. He's expressing his love and his thirst for God. Being thirsty for God is something David talked a lot about. In Psalm 63 and one, he says, oh God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. We're living in a weary wilderness. July 4th, 
2021. We're facing racial tension, political tension, war possibilities around the world. We're looking at so many things and, and people have gone through so much and fear has so captivated people. Fear, fear. It's almost like people are saying, what's gonna be the big fear next? So we're living in this place of, of, of deep, weary wilderness. But David says, I thirst for the deepest, with the deepest longings to love you more. The cravings of my heart that I can't describe, such yearning grips my soul for you. I think what David is saying is what we all sort of feel today. We can't say it in the same way. I mean, I wish I could write music like, like some of our team writes or some of the songs that we sing, but I can't. But I have got, I got this thing in my heart. Do you have that thing in your heart? That more than anything else, I want him. Do you sort of sense that? More than anything else I'm going through, I want him. I want to know him better. I want my life to count for him. I don't want a mistake that I've made, as Maggie said, 20-something years ago, hold me hostage that i am never be able to be the person he wants me to do. Even you right now, you're saying, there's a longing in my heart to get back where I used to be. Maybe you've been hurt by a church, you've been hurt by people, but there's a longing deep down in your heart that you've tried to repress and push down but right now it's just coming up and saying I'm, I'm lovesick I'm lovesick for more of the Lord he said in Psalm 143 and 6 now I'm reaching out to you God thirsting for you like a dry cracked ground thirsts for God Jesus said this you can search for something to quench your thirst everywhere but he said if anyone drinks of the water of life that I give they'll never be thirsty again for when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. Could we bow our heads? Father, we thank you today. We thank you for encouraging us today that even though we're living in a world full of wilderness and disappointments and setbacks and hurts and failures, even living with the constant guilt and shame of our own life of what we've done in the past, you come today through your word to liberate us and say, for yet I shall sing a song to him in the night. I want to pray for us today, but also I want to first of all pray for anyone that might be here today or those of you who are watching online, that you've been trying to quench the thirst that you have with a lot of things and you only find that you get more thirsty. The longing you have in your heart, you've tried to satisfy it with a job, success. It seems like the more success you get, the more you feel like a failure. Maybe it's another, maybe it's another relationship. Maybe it's another job. Maybe it's another spouse. Maybe it's another whatever. But it just doesn't satisfy. Because God created us with an inward thirst that only Jesus Christ can satisfy. He took the initiative. He came to this world. He died on the cross to take your sins and my sins so that he could say, here, here's a drink of living water that you'll never thirst again. So if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart, into your life, or today you need to rededicate, resituate your life with the Lord, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, Terry, that's me. 
I need to recommit my life to Jesus today. Today is that day. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Others today, just raise your hand and say, yep, that's me. It's me. It's all about me today. I need to make that recommitment to Jesus. Those of you that are watching online, just raise your hand right where you are. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else want to join those four who've raised their hands and say, yeah, that's me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. First of all, I want to pray for those of you that are going through storms and difficulties and setbacks. Then I'm going to lead us all in a prayer for those who want to recommit their life to you. Lord, I sense your presence, your awesome presence. And I pray for those that are here and those that are watching online. That it just seems like they've just been living in a dark night of the soul. Even fighting back a little bit of depression. Because just feeling like nothing is worth it anymore. Lord, I pray that even in the midst of bondage, that we could be like Paul and Silas at the midnight hour. Saying praises to you. So I ask you to encourage them and lift them up. Now, those of you who raised your hand, the five of you that raised your hand, and those of you who are online, let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for loving me, for caring for me, for dying on a cross for my sins, and you rose on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit as best as I know how. I want to live for you the rest of my life. Church, would you celebrate with those who prayed that prayer today? Come on. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.